powerful message in that song right there. One moment in eternity. I wish I'd loved him now. Hmm. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, if you would please. Ephesians chapter 4. as I get older get closer to seeing him I think more about I wished that he would have had more of me Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 30 And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given us for, or given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. I want to preach this morning for a little while on grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we've heard a lot of good things this week. I know you've stirred up my heart night after night. Thank you for dealing with me, and Lord, please don't stop. Lord, thank you for dealing with us as a people. Thank you for every decision that's been made. Lord, I realize that since we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon us in order to do an acceptable work for our God, that we can't do that if we're grieving him. So, Lord, please deal with our hearts today. May we understand the importance of what we're dealing with today in this passage. And, Lord, we'll thank you for what you do in every heart, every life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read this passage of Scripture, I see some interesting statements that are made in it. I'll get to grieving the Holy Spirit in just a moment But I like this. You'll notice in verse 30, talking about the Holy Spirit, he says, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Because of the Holy Ghost of God, he is the one that keeps us sealed till we get to glory. Now, you see, right there is the eternal security of the believer. He keeps us, he has sealed us. Nobody can break through. Now, we've got a lot of promises in the Word of God. Jesus gave a lot of promises about the eternal security of the believer. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. You say, preacher, why do you believe in the eternal security of the believer? Because Jesus taught it. And I'm not bold enough or foolishness enough to call Jesus a liar. What he said was truth. 
when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He said there that we'll never perish. And he says the kind of life that he gives us is everlasting life. How long is that? That's forever. I mean, if you got what you thought was everlasting life and died and went to hell, you didn't have everlasting life. Thank God the life I have is everlasting. John 5, 24, he said, Verily, 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 I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Now get this. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, just believing the clear words of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have to believe in once saved, always safe. Now, I'm not talking about people who pretend religion. I mean, there are people who pray a prayer, but they're trusting the prayer and not Jesus to save them. They don't have everlasting life. You've got to trust Jesus Christ to save you. Jesus, who is the Son of God, he said, now somebody said, but he could throw you away. No, he's promised not to do that. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, he declares, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now, please don't misunderstand today. I'm not saying Christians are perfect. As a matter of fact, I've never met one who is. God doesn't make us perfect. He makes us saved. Now, the day is coming when we're going to be perfect. But that's not here, man. That's in glory. And I'm excited about being in glory and seeing him and never letting him down again, never sinning again, never doing that which is shameful again. My, how wonderful that's going to be to be with him throughout eternity in glory where there'll be no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, none of that. Thank God I have that in Jesus Christ. I want you to know, friend, if you're lost, you might even live better than some Christians you know, but you're still lost and on your way to hell. You're not going to get to heaven by being better than some Christians you know. You can only get to heaven through Jesus. That's it. No other way. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The promise is in Christ. So that's a wonderful statement right there where he makes the statement that whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. We believers, yeah, we're not perfect, but we are sealed. Hallelujah. Not only that, you'll notice in the latter part of verse 32, he says, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, God has forgiven me. Why? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible declares, and he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. He paid the debt for my sin, which is death. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's another marvelous news right there given to us that God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us in Jesus. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we are forgiven. Hallelujah. You want to be forgiven? You come to Jesus, and he'll forgive you too. And it's all by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those are wonderful verses in the Scripture. Wonderful statements that are made. Those are wonderful truths that we have in him. 
But that statement at the beginning of verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now he's writing to believers. He's writing to the saints of Ephesus. And he tells the saints, the believers, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, this is the one that gave us the scripture. For holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the one who convicted us of our sin. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. It is the Holy Ghost of God who convicted me of my sin. He convicted me of my lost condition. He convicted me of my need for salvation. He convicted me of the truth that Jesus the Christ is the Son of God, God himself who died on the cross to pay for my sins and was buried and rose three days later, God's complete payment for my sin. It's the Holy Spirit of God who did that for me. And it's the Holy Spirit of God who gave me new life when I trusted Christ as Savior. Born again. Hallelujah. Now, I got news for you. I don't want to grieve him. He's writing to believers who the Holy Spirit gave the word of God to. The Holy Spirit of God convicted them of their sin. The Holy Spirit of God who drew them to the Son of God, who glorified Christ. He didn't want them to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't believe God wants us to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I read that statement alone. And right away, I'm thinking, how would we grieve the Holy Spirit? I mean, I don't want to do it. So the message in the next verses are extremely important. So it will warn me, it'll tell me how to keep from grieving the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, I'm a preacher, but I I recognize that my... My ability only extends in speaking to the ears of men and women that it doesn't do a bit of good what I preach unless that gets taken to the heart and only the Spirit of God can do that. So I need Him in all that I do. I need Him when I go out to preach. I need Him when I try to win somebody to Christ. I need Him when I'm teaching a Sunday school lesson. I need Him so much. I don't want Him grieved in my life. So notice what He says. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all... Now, the Bible's not that difficult. What do you think that means? It means all. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Why? Because I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, that's why. I mean, what's the point? I mean, I, there may be somebody here today 
that you deserve for me to be mad at you. <laughs> Boy, that opens up a whole new message right there, doesn't it? But whatever it was, I'm to put it away from me. Why? So I don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Who teaches me the wondrous things out of the law of God? The Holy Spirit, according to John chapter 16. Teach you all truth. Bring all things to your remembrance. I don't want to grieve him. So he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he says, and be ye kind one to another. You know, some people are easier to be kind to than other people. Isn't that right? Amen. Some people, you just look at them and you want to be kind to them. <laughs> Don't all of you look at Wally. Come on! <laughs> Bless his heart. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Have you ever been grieved? Now, normally to be grieved, I mean really grieved, and I'm not talking about being mad at somebody because of, I'm talking about being grieved. It's normally when someone that you care for someone that you may have sacrificed for, someone that you love does something that hurts you tremendously. That's usually when we as human beings get grieved. I mean, the reality for some people not to like me or talk about me, it wouldn't surprise me, wouldn't bother me. But then there are some people who even if they said exactly the same thing that people, folks who didn't like me because of where I stand on things, stuff like that, it wouldn't bother me for them, but others that I would love to hear things that they might say or hear that they might have written something in their Facebook account. Man, that would have me up all night. Have you ever been grieved because of what someone may have said or done to you. I'm talking about someone who is special to you. Someone, and to make it even tougher, someone who's a believer. Someone that maybe even you ministered with, not just ministered to. <sighs> Grieved. Well, we can do that to the Holy Spirit of God. One that we owe so much to. It ought to trouble us. 
if we knew that we had grieved the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, this is a number of years ago now, there was a lady, I was pastoring at Tennessee Ridge at the time, uh, there was a lady in the church, I'm not, I'll not even give her last name, sweet gal. As a matter of fact, she was probably younger than what I am now, but she was an old lady to me back then. All right? And she had a sister in the church who was a twin. And both of them were very, very sweet ladies. We had a snowfall up there at Tennessee Ridge, and um, we had a post office box right across, and the post office was right across the street from where we lived in the parsonage. And, you know, hey, it's a dead day. Nobody's out. There's snow on the roads, all of that. I go walking over to the post office and go in there, and there's a letter in the post office box, and it was from her. And so I open it up, not realizing there was any trouble. And she started out with Revelation 21.8, and the paraphrase of that is, liars will be friars. And I thought, what is this about? And she said in the letter, she said uh, that she was really upset. And it had to do with, I, had, I was going around shaking hands in church. And while we were shaking hands, I came to her row and... I reached my hand out to shake her hand, and I, and I said, oh, I already shook your hand, didn't I? And went on. Evidently, I hadn't. <laughs> Liars will be friars. <laughs> she said that there was a time, I mean, it's amazing, you know, I don't know what you're thinking. In this letter, I kept it in my files for a long time just to remind me, people with a nice smile on their face at church, I don't necessarily know what they're thinking. I don't know how they have put some things together in their head. And this is a sweet lady now, good Christian lady. She said that uh, I was leading the choir back then at the, at the church and that one day I said... I don't know what I said, but she did the opposite. And I gave her the meanest look. Well, I don't even remember the episode. Didn't remember the episode then. Don't remember her giving her a mean look. I I don't know what that was about. But anyway, she was of the opinion that I must be mad at her and hate her. I couldn't even get in my car and drive to her house. There was snow on the road now, and I wanted this taken care of today. It hurt me that this lady thought that somehow I had something against her because I did. Well, now I did. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I I just didn't want that animosity to be there because I surely had never intended anything. But she was grieved because of what she thought I was thinking. And I have been now totally, my world's been rocked and totally taken by surprise because of this lady. And I'm thinking, I wonder, 
Evidently, I've grieved her and I never meant to. And if I said I thought I shook her hand, I had thought it, even if I hadn't done it. All right. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. He says it's impossible, but what offenses will come? It's impossible to live on this planet without offending people, and it's impossible to live on this planet without being offended. It's impossible. So he tells us how to deal with that. Now, I can't do anything about lost people. I mean, matter of fact, we'd expect lost people to offend us. But you know, I have found that lost people don't have the ability to offend me as much as save people that I love. So he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The, the fact that they're offended at me, that's one thing. But I don't want to offend or grieve the Holy Spirit in how I respond to them. You understand what's at stake here? So he tells us, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. But the first thing, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he says, be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath concerning you. No matter what they've done to me. If I don't respond correctly to it, I grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you understand that? No matter what they've done to me, because look what he says. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. He said, but they don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. I'm not going to heaven because I deserve it. I'm going to heaven because by his grace, he loved me. He died for me on the cross of Calvary. He forgave me. He saved me. That's why I'm going to. I didn't deserve it. Life is not about giving people what we think they deserve. And thank God that he loved me and gave himself for me. I wrote down a few truths about forgiveness. Number one, to help you understand it, forgiveness is not forgetting. I didn't say it's forgetting. I I don't know how many people said, well, I just can't forget it. He doesn't say forget it. He says forgive it. Matter of fact, I have found that the more I try to forget something, the more I remember it. You are never going to forget anything by bringing it up again. I'm going to forget this number. I'm going to forget this number. I'm going to forget this number. Man, you'll never forget that number. Well, how do you forget it? We're not talking about forgetting today. Listen to me. We're talking about forgiving. What is Bible forgiveness then? By the way, it's not seeking revenge. It is letting other people off your hook 
knowing that they're still on God's. I want you to get this. Letting other people off your hook, knowing that they're still on God's hook. And God can take better care of it than you can. As a matter of fact, he'll do it right. Uh, In the book of James, he tells us, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We get angry and we give... Hey, I had brothers and sisters, but especially with brothers, you know, uh, driving in a car and one kind of bumps the other and the other bumps them back, but always bumps them back harder. Did the drinker boys ever do that? Never. One will kind of hit one on the arm and the other one's got to hit back. And that goes on until dad says, if you don't stop it, I'm stopping this car right now. Sometimes that takes care of it. Sometimes it doesn't. All the story we heard about Heather the other day that brother Ray told. (laughs) We always feel like, you know, they deserve more. But that's not the issue, is it? The issue here is whether or not we grieve the Holy Spirit. There is no people that ought to understand forgiveness and forgiving people as Christians are supposed to understand it. Because we have been forgiven. By the way, forgiving is something you do for your sake. It's between you and God. It's agreeing to live with the consequences of another's sin. You pay the price for the evil that you forgive. And it is a crisis of the will. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If I believe the Bible, I've got to believe that I can forgive it in Christ. But that's the only way. There are just some things only in Christ can I do. And sometimes, man, that is one of them. He is our example. It does not mean that you like the other person. Doesn't mean that. He, he doesn't say like the other person. By the way, we're commanded to love our enemies. So even if they're an enemy, I still got to love them. Amen right there. Always amazes me when somebody comes in for marriage counseling. And they say, well, I just don't love them anymore. Well, even if they're your enemy, you got to love them. It's not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He loved me and gave himself for me. Love is giving. Well, I'd like to preach a whole message just on that, but I don't have time. Here's what it is. Here's what it gets down to. It's taking the offense off of their account. It is taking the offense off of their account. It's not there anymore. It's like when a storekeeper, because the family, for whatever reason, been having trouble and they got this big bill and they've let the family know, hey, don't worry about paying it. I've taken care of it. No need to come pay it. It's taken care of. When you forgive something, you take it off their account. I think one of the biggest problems that we have When it comes to husbands and wives who have gotten negative on one another and they've started to get very, very bitter. 
And they start lying to one another. They'll say, well, I forgive that. And then the next time they have a fight, they bring it up again, which means it's still on the account. They never forgave it. They're liars. Do you understand that? When you forgive it, you give up the right to bring it up again. It's done. It's forgiven. It's gone. Hey, what does God do with our sins? We do wrong. We get right with him. Man, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He says, in their sins and iniquities, will I remember no more. Well, I may not be able to do anything about my memory, but I'll tell you what, I can do something about taking it off the account. Why would I do that? So I don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let me stop right here for just a moment and interject something. If you are the offender and you ask to be forgiven. Now, whereas, yes, they should forgive you, you don't deserve it. In other words, if they don't forgive you, all right. I, I, matter of fact, some have heard me say this too many times. Eat dirt. You did it. You don't deserve to be forgiven. Hey, the wonder of salvation is I don't deserve it. Now, thank God he promised to save all that trust Jesus as Savior. I trusted him. He saved me, not because I deserved it, but because he keeps his word. He forgave me. It's gone. Hallelujah. What a great Savior that we have. Some Bible truths about forgiveness. Look with me quickly. Let's take a little walk. Go to Matthew chapter 6. A little walk through the scripture. Jesus teaching about the model prayer. You notice he says in verse 12, and forgive us our debts. Now notice this, as we forgive our debtors. That's how, that's how you get forgiven, is by how you forgive others. Now notice, we go on down to verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, go over to Matthew chapter, oh, Matt, chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Notice in Matthew chapter 18, he says, uh, oh, let's see. He's talking about two having a problem with one another, verses 20 and 21 and 22, uh, for instance, notice in verse 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, boy, wouldn't that be something? Seven times. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 70. Uh, I'm, I just want to say, if you're counting, you didn't forgive the first time. You understand that? He's not expecting us to get out a, a computer and mark down every time, keeping count. So we'll say, hey, buddy, you're getting close now. You're at 487. But if you've taken it off the account, it's not there. The disciples weren't getting it. 
Peter wasn't getting it. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him and owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, uh, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord... Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. Now that was between him and his master. Huge debt. He's been forgiven. By the way, that's a picture of God with us. But then people who have known the tremendous forgiveness of God are just like this guy that was just forgiven. It says in verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, not very much at all. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. Now, that's simply a parable. But teaching us something about with the great forgiveness that we have received from God and we don't deserve it, then surely we ought to be able to forgive our fellow man and surely we ought to be be able to forgive fellow believers, brethren in Christ. Listen, I think if you talk to any evangelist that's used much at all, this is the greatest problem in most of our congregations. Although the congregation's meeting Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, The Holy Spirit of God is so grieved because of the hard attitudes toward one another that he's not moving in in power at all. This is tough. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Notice in our prayer life, go over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, I'm hurrying. Listen quickly. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Listen, that's a great prayer promise right there. But that's not the end of the passage. Notice, and when ye stand praying... You want to make prayer requests like this to God? You want to see God do some great and powerful things in your life? He says, and when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Not only in our prayer life, but it's also our duty. Go over to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Notice he says in verse 
3, he says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee, notice this, seven times in a day. And seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Seven times in a day. And you wonder, why are you still hanging around this joker? I mean, really. But if you are, forgive him. Now, notice how the apostles respond to this, Lord. <laughs> Increase our faith. Man, need, need to do that. I need more faith. Now, the next five verses, it is not a change of subject. He's still talking about our responsibility to forgive. And forgiveness has nothing to do with faith. It has everything to do with duty. For notice he goes on to say, and the Lord said, this is in response to the statement that they just made with regards to forgiveness. If he had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. That word trow means think. I think not. So likewise ye, when ye have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Forgiveness for the believer is a duty. And if you don't do it, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Who's our example in this? Our example is Jesus Christ, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When, he, uh, when they injured him, he threatened not. But his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. By the way, there's a corporate example of a church forgiving members. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where you've got a man who was taken in adultery with his father's wife. And they were told to get together and to turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. You get to chapter 2 of the next book, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and you find that that man evidently had responded to the church discipline and gotten right, and they are commanded to forgive him lest Satan should get an advantage of them. Forgiveness. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I read a story, it was a cold Winter evening, a man suffered a heart attack. He was admitted to the hospital, and he asked the nurse if she could to call his daughter. And he explained, he said to her, he said, I live alone, and she's the only family I have. Well, the nurse went to the phone, called the daughter. The daughter was really upset. She shouted back at the nurse, says, you can't let him die. You can't let him die. You see, my dad and I had a terrible argument almost a year ago, and I haven't seen him since. All these months, I've wanted to go to him for forgiveness, and the last thing I said to him was, I hate you. The daughter cried and then said, I'm coming now. I'll be there 
in 30 minutes. Well, they went into cardiac arrest while she was coming. The nurse cried out and said, Oh, Lord, please, please don't let him die till she gets here. But he did. He died. The nurse took the daughter aside, told her, and said, I'm sorry. The, nurse resp- and the daughter responded, I never hated him. You know, I loved him, and now I, let me go in and see him. So she took the, the uh, daughter into the room, and while she was weeping over her daddy, the daughter noticed, or not the daughter, but the nurse noticed a scrap of paper on the bed table. And so she went over, she picked it up, and she read it. It said, my dearest Janie, I forgive you. I pray you will also forgive me. I know that you love me. I love you too. Signed it, Daddy. If you know anything about the life of Corey Tenboom, she and her sisters and her sister were made, uh, were taken to the Nazi prison camps in, uh, in Germany, treated cruelly. She has a number of stories, had a number of stories to tell about that whole situation. Um, After the war, she met one of the guards, and it seemed to be a guard who delighted in tormenting them. He had jeered them, visually raped them as they stood in the delousing shower. And he had heard about Corey Ten Boom, and he went to where she was speaking. And when she saw him and recognized him, of course, there were a lot of emotions that came back into her. And he went up to her after she was done speaking and he held out his hand and he said, will you forgive me? Well, immediately she had a crisis of the will. And she put it this way. She said, I stood there with coldness clutching at my heart, but I know that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I prayed, Jesus, help me. Woodenly, mechanically, she said, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out before me. And then she said, I experienced an incredible thing. The current started in my shoulder, raced down into my arms and sprang into our clutched hands. And then this warm reconciliation seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And she said, I forgive you, brother. She cried it out with her whole heart. For a long moment, she said, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard, the former prisoner. And she said, I've never known the love of God so intensely as I did at that moment. And then she said, to forgive is to set the prisoner free. And then you'll discover that the prisoner is you. You understand that you don't help yourself at all by holding on to something because you feel they deserve it. Truth is, long after they've forgotten it, don't think any more about it. If the person has not forgiven, that person is the one who keeps holding on to it. And I want you to get this. If you're a believer, it is you 
not the offender who is grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. We just had a great week. Fantastic. Fantastic week. Great preaching. Number of decisions being made. And sometimes I've wondered why after, I mean, I've been preaching for almost 50 years now and been in a number of tremendous meetings. But why they never seem to last much longer than the meeting itself. And I think this is probably one of the very main reasons. Because the Holy Spirit is still grieved because people, we had that that pet one who just really offended us and we're not willing to let it go. Well, let us stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God for whatever it may be. That message by Brother Arthur on Tuesday night. That's putting away the smell of the smoke and getting on with the life that counts for God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, deal with our hearts. I'm sure that we would be shocked if you today revealed to us all the different things that are harbored in hearts just within the congregation here that's meeting today. In some cases, it might be with people who are outside of here, family members, whatever. But dear God, we don't want the Holy Spirit of God to be grieved. He surely has never done us wrong. Why would we continue to hold on when we know the effect that it has on the Holy Spirit? So Lord God, please cleanse us again today, I pray. In Jesus' name.